Scholars, Alex Alonso and FG, here to bring you guys another banger. And I'm with the East Side General. Post it up. What's going on, FG? Man, what's cracking, man? I see that tight ass hat you got on over there, man. That thing's sticking, man. What's happening uh, with you? Yeah, man. I just decided to throw this thing on. I think I wore this once on a, on an episode of the Gangster Chronicles that I did back in uh, 20, 2020. That was that's that real shit back there. See, a lot of them youngsters, man, won't even have a clue about that hat, though. You know, they don't even know their history, and that's a part of the problem, man. Most of us don't know their history, but yeah, that hat tight. But what's going on with it? Hey, I think a lot of more more people are aware of this hat because the the designer of this hat he he you know he he went old school he brought it back and and a lot of people are tapping in with it and if you see you see OGs out there all the time now throwing it on and the youngsters is like damn that hat is tight so they starting to get a little bit of history uh, on the on the clothing on the attire of the I guess these hats go back to either the late seventies definitely the early eighties is when I started no doubt seeing no them. doubt yeah I think I first saw a golf hat. Uh, I think uh, 19, 1982 or 1983 was the first time I ever seen a golf hat. They, yeah, they yeah. May have, they may have existed a couple of years before that. Right, but same for me, you know what I mean? Uh, um, 82, I was nine years old, so around 10, 11 when I started, you know, basically hitting corners on my bike and stuff like that. I started to see the homies. They was really rocking them back then, so you know what I mean? That's the, That was the difference. You know, you knew how to differentiate who was who back then, you know what I mean? So the homies that had the attire on, you knew that they was a part of the part of the thing but at the same time now it's like you know it's almost like the taliban man everybody dress alike so you don't know who's who that make it even more dangerous yeah well you know a lot of the gang style and the gang attire has went mainstream and uh to a certain degree that's cool because it just shows you that uh what, what people do on the streets is loved all over the world but then at the same time, people was co-opting the culture and not really understanding what comes with it. But the first time I seen a, a golf hat like this, I believe I was going down Pico. I was going down Pico on a bus as a kid. And I think I was passing somewhere on the um, past La Brea, past, I don't know uh, what the cross street was. And I looked out the window. I saw about four or five gangsters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, look, at they was all in Levi's creased up with with the golf hats on i was like look at them gangsters i was an innocent kid i didn't know what the hell was going on i was about probably 12 and uh and yeah i was on that rtd bus man just uh going going all over the city whenever i wanted to without no supervision man enjoying my life no no doubt that's how it was back then man you know and unfortunately man like i say you know um the culture you know it, it it changed over the years, man. You know, even though now, Alex, a lot of these dudes out here, they rocking designer, you know what I mean? Real thugs, you know, and they they rocking the Gucci and they rocking the, you know, the, the, the Fendi and, you know, the designer wear, you know, and at the end of the day, man, you know, um, I, I, I don't have no word one way or the other, you know what I mean? I knew dudes wouldn't wear chucks and khakis and white t-shirts for the rest of their life. So, you know, it is what it is, man. You know, the evolution of the attire is 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 something that probably been in effect since you know what 40s and 50s you know what i mean because i think uh, al capone and then wore suits and shit you know what i mean and even probably the homies in the 70s they wore suits and brims and hard shoes you know what you know so it, it evolved over the years yeah wasn't it um when you when you had the club popping over there um down in uh was it lakewood when you uh, no, I was Fullerton. I was Fullerton. Fullerton. Was in. Yeah, you had you had the homies dressing up in uh, what gators and uh, silk suits or something. No, no doubt they wasn't necessarily silk, but I mean, well, really, it was everything. You know what I mean? And I, I can't honestly say, and the homies will agree that I was definitely a trendsetter on the east side of Compton when it came to dressing. You know what I mean? You know, when I got the club, you know, it, it, it was a uh, matter of fact, it was Ted Dozier at the Century Club. You know that that had had a chat with me. Said, man, I heard y'all down there doing a lot of fighting, man. I'm like, you know, homies, you know, getting drunk. He said, this what you do. He said, you gotta, you know, uh, get a clientele that 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 dress, you know, with with slacks with, with shirts on with you know with ties i'm like well where i'm gonna get that clientele from i'm not that kind of dude he said no you don't go get the clientele you just change you make your homies and get your homies to start dressing like this and you lead by example 
You know what I mean? So, man, you know, when I start wearing, you know, slacks and ties and like you say, gator boots and, you know, and the things of that nature, it made the next homie want to do it. The next thing, you know, we got a club full of brims and, you know, and, and so I definitely was a, was a, was an intricate part of that east side dressing up, man, and getting out in the females, putting on heels and, you know, going to, you know, spend money on nice dresses and things of that nature, man. So, you know, it, it was a good thing. It was definitely a gangster party, man, but we looked real good doing it. You know what I mean? That, now that guy from the Century Club was he uh, just a straight up uh, business person, or was he from the streets as well? What was his background? Uh, Ted Dozier is uh, basically um, I met him through the Bradleys. You know what I mean? So he was, I, I, I believe, at that time he might have been married to a, a Bradley, if I'm mistaken, or or dating one. But he was close to the Bradley family, and uh, and uh, matter of fact, he's related. You know, ain't no close. He's related. So you know. Um, he had a love for me and affection, you know, through family ties. But, you know, back then, the Century Club was the biggest thing, you know, going back then, you know. So he was just trying to lace my boots, let me know he saw what I was doing and, you know, trying to give me some advice on making my shit better. I remember the Century Club was the first club I ever heard of charging $20 to get in. At that time, that was a lot of money. Like, you paying $20 to get into a club? No and that doubt. Was their, that was their price. You remember that? Hell yeah. I, I mean, come on, man. I was a staple at the Century Club, man. You know what I mean? Park out front, VIP. You know what I mean? I even had the little VIP car where I think you pay 50, you know what I mean? And a month or something, or something like that. And you don't got to wait in the line, man. But the Century Club, Alice, was an experience. Like you say, the stars went there back then. Celebrities went there back then. Definitely had it popping. It definitely was something that, you know, grew us up by being around other grown men, dressed as grown men, acting as grown men. You know, I'm a young cat, you know, 22, 23 years old, you know, but you also, you know, in those trenches, in those clubs, you know, even though we dressed up, you was running into the main streets. You was running into the grape streets. You was running into the six holes, you know, so um, it was it was it was. A dynamic that you know dudes that didn't get out the hood they didn't know but at the same time man it was that century club and, and, and a lot of other clubs man it was it was we had a great time at yeah man that century club was also mentioned by uh dre and i forget what song he mentioned it in but uh he shouted out the century club and uh one of his early songs back in the day but uh whatever happened to it how, how do why, why do clubs end in the first place if a club is so popping and everybody loves it it seems like clubs have an expiration and that's expiration date usually comes soon. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a couple of different factors, you know, one factor being, you know, on my level, you know, um, dudes would get into it and, 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 the owner was in jeopardy of losing an entertainment license. So they would ask you to go find another spot to do your club. You know, if you didn't have no ownership or if you didn't have a certain lease, with situations like the Century Club, it went on so long and so long. It could be a simple situation as the owner want more now. He see you making hundreds of thousands of dollars at his spot. He agreed to a certain lease amount. Now he see you know how much you making, so he wanted to renegotiate the terms. And the terms could be like, hold on, bro, we had a deal, you know, um, and and, and you may not agree to the terms of. What, what he wanted to renegotiate as, kind of like a landlord, you know, want to go up on your rent, you know. So sometimes it, it, it's, it's those situations, you know, and, and at the same time when it came to, but I can't say when it came to Ted Dozier, you know, every spot they did, they had celebrities, you know, they had the poppinest crowds, you know what I mean? They had the high-end people who, you know, didn't mind paying to get in, didn't mind paying for drinks, you know, uh, uh, wasn't trying to start no trouble because, you know, like you said, they had money and things like that, but but uh, but but it'd be a lot of different uh, uh, situations. I know in a couple of my clubs when I had a uh, Savannah West on a, we had it on a Thursday night. It's right across the street from the Century Club in the ABC building. And um, oh uh, man, doing the homie birthday party, you know, words got exchanged for a few for big old. We we sued it. I'm talking about sued it. Big old fight broke out. You know what I mean? And uh, so the owner told me, you know, hey man, listen, man, you know, and the owner was black. He said, listen, man, I'm the only black owner of a club in Beverly Hills, man. It was Century City, you know. He said, man, I can't afford to. I said, I, I feel you. No worries. You know, so I packed up and moved to another spot, you know, because I made a spot hot. You know what I mean? So, you know, sometimes it's that. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's different factors. But at the same time, man, ain't nothing wrong with a change of scenery as well. So if a bunch of, let's say, five or six dudes pulled up and they was wearing Chuck's crease Levi's and some golf hats, they wouldn't be able to get into the club at, at these types of clubs, would they? 
No doubt. You know what I mean? And it got to the point to where you couldn't even get into my spot like that, you know, um, just based on, man, you know, you got to realize, you know, I learned a few things during the nightclub business. I used to always want to have little rappers come in and perform. Rappers is the worst people to come in and perform because you bring in the rap crowd. You know what I mean? You bring in the the, the hood when you bring, a, you know, the road dogs in, when you bring, you know, a, a, a badass from Long Beach in. You know, when you bring these dudes in, yeah, they got hit records and things of that nature at the time. But the element of people you bring in is straight up gangbangers. They not trying to dress up or nothing. They just trying to come. So the thing, you know, what I learned is you want to do the kind of lightweight R&B rap dudes, you know, because they bring a different crowd, you know, and it's a lot I learned doing that club thing. But at the same time, dress code, man, the people dress right, people less like want to fight. You know, Alex, if you and your Stacys, you and your Romeos, you and your Gator Boots, you ain't trying to fight, homie. You know what I mean? But if you got on some some Nike Cortez or some Jordans, you know, you get drunk, you're going to want to start some shit. So that was the ideology of just making sure. And I took a lot of flack. I took a lot of heat. A lot of homies talk shit. You know, FG is like that, homie. You ain't going to let me in, homie. I just came from the studio. I just got off the plane. I heard that shit a million times. I just came from the studio. I just got off the plane. You know, man, I just want to. And depending on who it was, Alex, it was certain dudes I would let because I knew that they knew how to conduct themselves. But it was also dudes I know that y'all came to start some shit, man. So, you know, I just I took the heat. You know, motherfuckers going to talk their little shit. You weren't going to do nothing, but motherfuckers going to talk their little shit. And, uh, and um, you know, I had a few people mad at me over the years. So they went back to the hood and they was all like, fuck FG, man. He <laughs> wouldn't let exactly me in. What they did. He wouldn't even let me in the spot, man. <laughs> fuck that bitch ass mother. Hey. <laughs> hey, that's just exactly what they probably did, man. You know, but at the same time, it was a business, man. You know, and I was trying to conduct it as one. I was trying to provide something for the homies, but at the same time, man, running a business, you know, when you got homies involved, you know, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do, you know. And I I I I did all right, you know what I mean? His head all his his head got all big now that he got some clubs and shit. Right, and don't right, right, right. Yeah, all that. But but Alex, one time I my I can't say you know one of my proudest moments was I, I rented out the Century Club one time myself. It was a Labor Day. Um, the it was the, the place was available. I rented out the Century Club, man, and uh and 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 we did it big over there. The thing about it was the expenses were so high. I mean, the party was cracking. You know. You know, it, it made me feel good based on because the Century Club when I was coming up was like our childhood club. That was our that was, you know, to get to the Century Club. That was our thing. So for me to actually rent it out myself, you know, have my security running the door, have my people collecting the money and things of this nature. Um, um, it, it, it was it was for me, it was like a, a, a reward, like 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 you can say something. Damn, I think I made it, you know thing about it was my expenses was so high. I didn't make no money. You know what I mean? I didn't lose any, but I didn't make any. But to be honest with you, that was the experience, man, that I, I can't say I wouldn't take back, you know? Yeah, man. The profit margins on that are pretty small. I guess if you, you got to own like 10 clubs to really, you know, earn some income off of it where you could probably survive and pay some bills, one club probably ain't going to do it. Well, no, no, that's not true, you know, because you got to think about it. Alice, one club can do it and a small club can do it at that. You know what I mean? You know, me and you right now is a, you know, do a streets and party, a streets and scholars party and we go rent us a venue. If we can rent the venue for cheap, you got to think about it. You know, $20 ain't nothing nowadays. You know, you do 500 people at $20, man, you know, do the math, you know, and that's one night. So you pay your DJ, you pay your security, you know, and, you know, pay whatever rent you're going to pay on the spot. And, you you know, it, it's just about when the people come, you know, the, providing a good time, making sure everybody's safe as far as things of that nature. Man, people are, people will keep coming. So over time, you know, some of them clubs out there doing, you know, pulling eight, nine, 10,000 a week, you know what I mean? And, 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 and it's not hard to do if you build your foundation, you know, you build your name up and you build your brand. So, but, but, but now since we in, in Cali, Cali then got, so it's easy to go out of town. Like we could pull up in, in, in Ohio and do a streets and scholars party and, and clean up. But this is, this Cali, you know, LA, you know, our, our, the lowest of our friends is Hollywood now. You know what I mean? You know, they want VIP. They want to pop bottles. They want to. It's just different now. But back then, it was easy to get some bread. And then you just go to Costco and you buy up a bunch of alcohol. And then, <laughs> right, right. You got the right. home be the bartender and you say, F the liquor license, right? Man, you ain't even going to Costco, man. You getting the boosters, the, you know what I mean? Bring them bottles up to the barbershop, man. And you getting it like that, man. So, you know, it was all kind of ways to cut corners, you know. But, hey, a hustle is a hustle. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, man, for sure, man. I, I know we, we got a couple of things we wanted to talk about, man, and we don't got a whole lot of time, man. So this might be a short one, but uh, um, did you tap in with these three San Antonio cops that uh, they, they charged them with murder after they shot a, I would say, a mentally, mentally disturbed woman that she just wanted to go inside her house. She ran in her house and the cops followed her and, and they aired her out. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, that was that was that was tragic, you know, for the people who haven't seen this, man. They got to go check this out, you know, on social media, you know, Google per se, you know, but hey, uh, or Streets and Scholars, you know, hey, Alice, check this out, man. She was having a mental crisis. Um, I mean, she wasn't violent, bro. You know, she went in her house. They followed her in her house. She threw something at them. Well, she threw something at the window, you know, while they were trying to come through her window, you know. Then she grabbed a hammer, but you can tell. See, that's the problem with what I'm talking about with law enforcement. You could tell she wasn't on the regular. You could tell she wasn't just a, re- you know, I ain't going to say call, say she wasn't a regular person, but you could tell she was going through something at the moment mentally. You know, and cops are trained, man. You know, they they trained and trained and trained to, to, to diagnose this. You know what I mean? So, um, they handled that situation all the way wrong, man, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, they went in her pad and aired her out. Yeah, she was vandalizing something per se, you know, but 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 this is a, a, a mental health, you know, crisis she was having. And and, and they, they just dropped the ball on it. Yeah, man, I do have a little clip here. I want to play from the local local news down there in San Antonio that gives it a little bit of background. Uh, take a listen to this. Breaking news first at 10, three San Antonio police officers charged with murder after they reportedly shot and killed a woman on the southwest side. In just the last 40 minutes, Police Chief William McManus announcing the arrest of these three officers, Sergeant Alfred Flores and Officers Alessad Alejandro and Nathaniel Villalobos. The chief says they have been suspended without pay. Now, just moments ago, McManus held a news conference saying the shooting was not consistent with SAPD's policies and training. SAPD also releasing video of this morning's shooting that show what unfolded at that woman's apartment. And we want to warn you, the video you are about to see is disturbing. You ain't got no warrant. Get up, get Ken's 5's Alicia Niaves is following the story for us tonight. She joins us live now from Public Safety Headquarters with these latest developments. Alicia? It was a swift decision by SAPD's homicide unit. In a matter of hours, after reviewing the body camera footage from this morning's shooting, all three officers who fired their guns are now facing murder charges. Take a look. This all started shortly after midnight. All right. We got the point there, AFG. What's what's surprising to me is that it only took a matter of days before the San Antonio prosecutors decided to charge them with murder. We're starting to see this a little bit more now. You know, remember back in the days, it would take like a year and a half for an investigation to take place. But now we knew that year and a half investigation was a bunch of BS because it don't take a year and a half to look at body cam or to uh, take the statements or to, to look at the evidence, to look at the footage, to make a determination on whether or not something was murder or not. And obviously, according to the police chief in this town, they did not follow proper protocol and they're getting all charged with murder man and um i'm very i'm, I'm kind of happy to see that it doesn't take uh forever in a day to charge cops now no no doubt bro you know in this situation like you say man you know she was having a crisis they could have went in i mean they could have really went in and tackled her you know what i mean they could have got a hold of her you know at the end of the day they probably still wouldn't arrested her after they evaluate her probably sent her on a, you know a, a, a um psychiatric review you know, but uh, but they chose to air her out, man, you know, and, and and also with these officers charged, you know, one of them is a sergeant, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, you know, Sarge, you're not even leading by example. You're not even leading your troops by example. You know, um, you you want to be shoot first, you know, ask questions last. And that's just that's lawless, you know. So, yeah, like you say, Alice, it don't take no year, don't take no money, don't take nothing. They did it swift and quick. I'm surprised they 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 charged them fast, you know. So, but if they do it more, Alex, it, this may rein in some of the the bullshit that these police be on. If they start doing it, you know, if they keep it consistent, bro, you'll be surprised at how many these officers are gonna start thinking first before they pull that trigger. 
Yeah, the problem is it, it's it's not consistent across the country. There's probably uh, some cities that that are more quick to charge their cops, and there's other cities that are um, definitely going to tell their uh, their rank and file, man, don't worry about what they're doing down in San Antonio, boys. We don't do that here. So, right, no, no you know, still do your thing. You know, San Antonio is a different animal than over here, so don't even be – don't be persuaded. Don't be swift because this is – um. These are uh, local charges. These are state charges. It's not until the feds, the feds, when the feds start coming in and start charging cops like this consistently, then maybe, just maybe, we'll see some changes in the way policing is. But I'm not convinced that an arrest like this is really going to change anything, FG. Well, it's definitely going to change something in San Antonio, definitely going to change something down in Texas. Um, and I'm surprised it happened in Texas, though, you know, because usually, you know, they, they, they shoot them out down there in Texas, you know, but at the same time, I believe it's going to change. It, it, your supervisor at the police department can come tell you anything you want. Same, same as us, Alex, in any profession that we do at a job. You know, your supervisor can come tell you to do anything, but you're going to say, hold on, man, that my safety is involved in that. I'm not doing that. You know, or you got a decision to make, you know, like I carry a CDL hazmat. You know, my supervisor or my manager can't tell me to do certain shit based on, you know, um, that ain't I, I know that ain't cool for me, you know, so some of these officers, my, my point in saying this is some of these officers is going to start saying, hold on. No, I'm not finna shoot first, you know, because I'm not finna risk going to jail or my career or feed my family just trying to shoot somebody or be a hero. Yeah, if somebody got a gun pointed at, you know, certain situation, but a situation exactly like this, I guarantee you it's a whole lot of cops that's going to say, nah, man, I'm not going to pull that trigger just based on because they are charging dudes in certain states and certain area. I, I think it's going to be, some of them going to be mindful. I think the one is just gun ho. They're going to be who they are and keep doing what they're doing. But I believe some cop somewhere, man, going to take heed of this and be like, man, you know what? I'm back up a little bit. Yeah, man. Um, the, the the three cops charged, when I just say their names, are Sergeant Alfred Flores, Nathaniel Villalobos, and Elazar Alejandro. And the woman that was killed, Melissa Perez, she did not have a gun, but we got to at least uh, say what, what she had in her hand right before they started shooting her, even though she was inside her apartment. First, she threw a candle. And, right. then, and then they're trying to say that she had a hammer in her hand, and that's what why they decided to air her out but she wasn't even anywhere within reaching distance with the officers but i'm sure they're going to argue that she had a hammer and she could have threw it at one of the cops and the cop could have got knocked out and then the, then she could have picked up their gun i mean they're going to have a whole scenario of what the problem with a mentally un un uh, unhinged woman with a hammer in her hand could pose but i'm thinking man if if a woman got a ha if a female has a hammer in her hand and she's 10, 20 feet away, a trained officer should know how to deal with that type of person. No, no doubt. But at the same time, Alex, they took body shots. They took kill shots. I think they only hit her twice, knocked her down. You know, um, you, you, you know, you can't this, 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 um, disable a person, you know, in this, in this situation, you can't shoot a person and they could have shot her in the foot and she would have fell on the ground screaming. I mean, you know what I mean? But to kill a person, I mean, I know they train to, you know, shoot where they shoot, but at the same time, man, you got to take something into consideration, man. She had a hammer. They was ducking. I was looking at the looks on their faces, the leaning that they doing. You would have thought somebody was shooting back at them the way they, you know, from 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 their body language, you know, that I was looking at when they started shooting, you know, dude face tuned up like he had some bullets coming back at him. Bro, she had a hammer in her hand. You know what I mean? So um, I believe some of these cops, you know, like you have be half ass scared, don't know how to handle a situation, you know, just because they police don't mean, you know, pass the test to be a police don't mean, you know, they got no experience on handling shit in the street, you know. But uh, I believe, you know, like you said, they got charged, man, you know, and um, and um. But they did. I believe they did murder this one. Yeah, I think there are um, a lot of these officers, unfortunately, are trained to shoot center mass. They're not trained. And maybe that's the problem with law enforcement. Cops are not trained to stop a person or to injure a person. They're trained to neutralize the person, which means deadly force. Right. And 
and I don't know if it's a good idea to train them to shoot two different kind of ways. They're going to argue saying, hey, we can't train our officers to assess the situation and figure out if they're going to shoot to kill or shoot to injure. But in this situation, uh, shooting to kill was absolutely out of line. It's out of place. And because it was a mental health crisis, uh, they got to teach these officers how to identify someone that has a mental health issue. They probably just thought she was a thug, a criminal, because they received a phone call. And at that point, they don't care who's got a mental health issue. And that's another issue that they're going to have. And I'm sure when they go to trial, they're going to blame the way they were trained by San Antonio. They're going to say that we're trained to shoot like this. We're trained to react this way. We're not trained to injure. We're not trained to to shoot in the foot. We're not trained to uh, sit there and let somebody swing around, swing a hammer in their hand. So uh, even though I believe that what they did was wrong, um, they're going to have a they're going to blame the whole thing on the city of San Antonio. Well, you know, they can, but that city in San Antonio did act swift on this. Alex, I don't know if you could follow them on, you know, how they, you know, conducted the situation, you know, um, you know, and, and to probably let off some of that blame on the city. They they probably that's probably why they acted swift like that, you know. So um, these dudes finna find themselves where they already found themselves, you know, on the other end of the stick now. You know what I mean? So now you guys finna be criminals and now you guys finna have a record. Now you guys finna have a conviction of some sort, you know, uh, even if it's manslaughter. You know what I mean? You know, you're going to see, homie, that you're not bigger than the law. Um, don't get me wrong. Like you said, it might not entice every police in every city. But at the same time, you know, the more it happened, Alex, the more these people going to start thinking about this, some of their actions. Well, we're going to need the feds to come in to really uh, get law enforcement to change because, um, most most of these uh, cops don't they don't fear state law, but the, the, when them feds come in, um, that ain't no joke. But I want to play this quick clip because this this has been going on for a long time where cops have shot people that were going through mental health crises because they had a weapon, um, a non fatal weapon in their hand. Well, I don't want to say non fatal because you can't kill someone with a hammer, but um, you know a, a, a weapon where trained officers are able to do something, but this this uh, situation here in Los Angeles back in the day, 1979, I feel is the first this is one of the first shootings probably in our lifetime that re received media attention here in Los Angeles that the officers were clearly were out of line, but they didn't get charged because it was 1979. Let me play this clip. This is the Eula Love shooting, which happened not too far from, when you, from where you used to um, live when you was a kid, FG, right there in the Athens area. Oh, OK. Uh, let me play this clip. This is 1979. Which was it? Excessive use of force by Los Angeles police or understandable reaction in self-defense? The answers involve larger questions about police practices, news organizations, and the responsibility of citizens. Terry Drinkwater reports. Last January, a black woman named Eula Love was shot by two policemen. They had been called to her home by the gas company because she had hit the utilities bill collector with a shovel. Mrs. Love was overdue with her $69 payment. She also threatened the officers with a knife. They fired 12 times and killed her. Her neighbors in Watts couldn't believe it. They could have subdued this lady without using the weapons that they used. They could have took her alive, plain and simple, because it was two cops against one lady with a butcher knife. In the months since, blacks and liberals have become intensely critical of what they charge is excessive use of force by the Los Angeles Police Department. The American Civil Liberties Union says that in the last four years, officers here have shot over 300 people, killing nearly half of them. We're no longer going to stand aside and let the police department shoot our people down in cold-blooded murder. But the district attorney investigated the Eula Love shooting and decided not to prosecute the officers, calling their action justifiable homicide in their own self-defense. Police Chief Daryl Gates. I think it's about time that we say something about the responsibility of people in this community not to solve their problems with violence, because violence begets violence. And that's what Eula Love did, in this, uh, did on this occasion. But Mayor Bradley's police commission concluded just the opposite, saying the officers were premature in drawing their weapons. Chief Gates says that finding devastated morale in his department. And in defense of his men, the chief has gone on the attack suggesting there is a conspiracy against those who uphold law and order. In a closed-circuit TV address to the department, he placed the blame generally on the media. Okay, that does that sound uh, familiar, FG? <laughs> I mean, this is like 40 years ago, 
And, yeah, but uh, you know, Daryl Gates was something else, though, man. Yeah, man. But look, 1979, <laughs> Eula Love. Here we are, 2023, Melissa Perez in San Antonio. And it is almost the exact same thing. Um, the only difference is we weren't talking about mental health in 1979. Right, right, right. You know, if you go back and look at all the Eula Love stories, uh, you're not going to find the word she was going through a mental health crisis. But look, here we are, what, 40 years later, and we finally having that conversation, but the cops are still killing them, man. No, no doubt. You're absolutely right, homie. But you know, at the same time, uh, it's going to take up. It's, it's going to take more than just just talk. Like dude said back then, in '79, man, we need to stop this and we need to stop that. And like you said, still haven't stopped. You know what I mean? So that means whatever we doing ain't working. You know. So um, at the same time, man, you know, like I say, do they care enough? Even care enough? You know. Uh, in this situation, the officers was charged. You know what I mean? So I can't take nothing from the uh, us. Um, San Antonio Police Department, you know, they did what they felt was necessary. They did, did, did what they felt was right. You know what I mean? Uh, it definitely was 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 murder. So um, I can only go by right now, San Antonio. But we have seen this 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 situation, Alex, you know, 100 times where officers wasn't charged. So um, we definitely got to see if the if the tone change, you know, if if uh, San Antonio sets some kind of precedent with other, you know, law enforcement agencies. Of course, they won't with all. But like I say, I believe somebody, some officers will see this and man be like, man, you know, it's getting hard on the yard. We can't just do what we used to do. Same thing for street dudes. You can't just do what you used to do. You know what I mean? So you got to simmer down a little bit in order to make it. Well, we did see that uh, the, the sheriff deputy in the Twyman shooting that happened over there in the APs in the uh, Athens Park neighborhood where the sheriff went to his trunk, pulled out a shot, another another rifle and continue shooting at someone that he already shot. He got charged, but it took it took about uh, a, a, over, what, two years to charge him. And he was charged under Gascon, who who's more sens- sensitive to these topics. Uh, under Jackie Lacey, no one was getting charged. So that all, it also depends on who's your district attorney. Does your no district doubt. attorney care about these officer-involved shootings and is willing to put police, hold police accountable? Or do you have a district attorney like Jackie Lacey, who in eight years, I think, charged one cop because it was so obvious that but there were at least a couple dozen cases where she could have charged and she didn't. So, you know, it's, it's not just um, it, it's also prosecutors from these counties willing to charge their cops. No, no doubt. But at the same time, like you say, you know, I'm going to tell you when you're talking about, you know, guys like Gascon's uh, uh, versus, you know, um, people like Lacey, you know, that all comes in the vote, Alex. You know, and a lot of people, you know, couldn't tell you two things about neither one of them when they go to vote, you know, and that's about being conscious and about doing your homework on what you're bringing in, you know. So um, that's a whole nother topic. But at the same time, that's really how it starts, you know, having somebody in there in office who, you know, will shake up the the, the, the police force or we'll give them a run for their money or we'll charge them if they slip. And you know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, people so busy living their lives and paying these high ass bills and doing the thing they doing, man, when the shit don't affect them, you know, it's, it's like they, um, they don't care as much, you know, cause it don't affect them, you know, until something happens, then you want, you know, somebody to act on it. You want these officers charged, but you never took the time to, when you went to vote, you just scratched in the name you heard or just, didn't even vote, you know, on 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 city elections, um, you know, and, and that hurt at, in the, in the long run. Yeah, man, it all it all matters on that DA also, and uh, hopefully we we get more DAs across this country that will not accept police officers just killing killing people that don't need to be killed. Uh, Melissa Perez definitely did not need to be killed. They could have just waited outside and and um, called in some professionals um, and and got her under control without using deadly force so we'll see but um hey uh, there's this story going on or going around from um villa rica georgia where the georgia police in villa rica were doing target practice and apparently they were only using their black uh black photograph for target practice a, a photo of a black man with a beanie on holding a gun as target practice and the chief of police in that town was being called racist he definitely uh, challenged that idea uh, because he said, we got signs of other people, of other races. We got white signs. We got Asian signs. It just so happened to be on that day, we only had the black signs. Uh, did you check out this crazy story? 
Yeah, yeah, I checked it out, man. You know, and like he said, he was he was kind of furious about people calling him and his uh, department racist. You know, he was like, you know, I'm not going for that. And, you know, but he also got to snitch into, you know, other departments. You know, they have black, uh, you know, posters that they use for target practice. You know, law, law enforcement agencies around the country do it. And we also have we also have Asian and we have whites and you know what I mean? And, but for me, you know, why put a why put a you could have the same photo up there without a, a, a face on it. You know what I mean? You don't have to have a black face. You don't have to have a white face. You don't have to have an Asian face. You know what I mean? You know, to get your point across or what you're trying to shoot at, you know. But to be honest with you, man, this is this, this, this. To me, I would declare it a form of racism just based on, look, man, y'all got a big black dude up there with a pistol and a beanie. And why you got to have a beanie on? You know what I mean? He look, You know what I mean? You know, and 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 just a cold thing about it, you know, uh, 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 to me, you know what I mean, makes them what I believe they actually intended to do, you know, when you see this dude right here, this is our enemy, you know, um, subliminally, they were sending the message to their people that this is who you shoot, you know? So that's how I took it. Yeah, man. I, I'm curious to know if they do have other racial uh, photos, um, how often do they use those? And if they, if they use the black photos more often than the other photos, does that subconsciously get into the minds of these officers that were that makes them more prone to shoot black folks when they're in the streets and how many departments actually do this type of practice we only learned about this because this this department was dumb enough to post the stuff on facebook they have since deleted it um but they they did defend it the chief of police in uh villa rica georgia is michael mansoor and my only question is how does this tap into the unconscious mind of the officer that's out there on the streets that have to interface with black folks. And I bet on a psychological perspective, this does have an impact, you know? No, no doubt. You know what I mean? Like I say, listen, like I say, I don't think it's cool. You know what I mean? You got uh, somebody named Peppy Powell down there on the thing, you know, to say, what race is it okay for the use for a target? You know what I mean? You know, um, but definitely anything with black, you know, um, especially when this conversation is going from coast to coast, you know, from from top to bottom in our country, you know, and me personally, I believe they know exactly what they was doing. I believe if they do have other targets, I believe it. If you didn't have one right next to the other, I knew they uh, I knew they believed that they could see that this was insensitive. You know what I mean? But but I really believe that they didn't give a damn either. Yeah, because if they got an Asian guy and they got a white guy, how come they don't have them all up there in different positions at the same time? They just got the black dude uh, in every single position um, during this target practicing. So, um, hey, but I do understand well, one more thing I want to say. I do understand how realistic they want to make uh, practicing, um, you know, their their uh, their training and their shooting. And I've seen where they actually use um like artificial intelligence where they're actually going into rooms and buildings and they actually have reflections of people that pop out and things of that sort. So I do understand there's a, there's a need to make this training as realistic as possible as well. FG. No, no doubt. But just what I'm, just what I uh, was going to say right here, Alex, say if you did have an Asian uh, photo up there, say if you had an Asian, a black poster up there, say if you had a, a um, white poster up there and say, if you had a brown poster up there, these people in this department, when, when they go up there, just this, what I would have wanted to know if I could have been a fly on the wall in a, in a private setting, they go up there and say, listen, man, you pick a target, man, you know, you, you, you do your thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you had all those posters up there, I still believe in this situation that more cops will go to the other posting than <laughs> their own. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, when you get to count bullets in these posters, I guarantee you there'd be more bullets in all the rest of them besides their own, bro. You know, just straight up. You know what I mean? If they had a chance to just walk up and pick your target, believe me, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be their own. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, you know, um, subconsciously, you know, you know, people are who they are and they're going to be what they're going to be. But at the same time, this right here, man, I, I believe even if they didn't have any, you know, uh, ill intentions out the gate, man. They knew this was insensitive, man. Then you post it on Facebook. You you know, I, I believe you know what you was doing. 
Yeah, they've since deleted their post. Let me just read what this uh, article says here. Uh, NBC News says Villa Rica's chief of police, Michael Mansour, said the targets with the black men are used all over the state. I guess this is the part where you said uh, he started switching around <laughs> the department. They're used all over the state for training and that during the class, the department also used other targets depicting individuals who were white and Asian. Hmm, they didn't have Latinos in there. The uh, officer who posed the, posted the photos, who Mansoor de- declined to identify, this is the Facebook post, uh, mistakenly posted photos of only the black targets that were used. It's just an innocent mistake, but it was a mistake, the chief said. And I'm being very transparent and saying that we messed up, but at no time will I accept people telling me I'm racist or our department is a racist, is, is, is a racist because we made a mistake. So that's their apology, FG. Uh, I don't think a lot of black folks is going to be cool with it, but I'm sure most of America will say, OK, he made an honest mistake. Right. Nah, I think most people going to say he's full of shit. You know, they knew what they was doing. But what's going to happen? Nothing. They're going to get away with it. You know, the main show, hey, you know, but it it, it it do shines a light on, you know, what's going on over there. And um, so, you know, but at the end of the day, like you say, Alex, only for the people in that town. You know, they're going to know that this, if it's real or fake, you know what I mean? They know how they police officers conduct themselves in the community with black folks. So up until somebody black from that community comes say, you know what, I've dealt with these officers, man, they, they fear with, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, man. And when he said all over the state, they use these signs, I guess he's, um, you know, Georgia. This is Georgia, man. This is the seat, the South, the deep South. No doubt. Yeah. So I'm I'm not surprised that if that's what they're doing down in Georgia is using black targets. And we and, and we have since seen photos of other races. We haven't seen the white photos and we haven't seen the Asian ones. So as far as I'm concerned, they uh, they don't exist because they would have probably posted them and say, hey, look, we got other people. But I, I haven't seen them. I'm not saying they don't exist. I I did a quick search. Right, right. I, I couldn't find them, man. So, all right. Um, hey, man. They, uh, you know, they still they're still arresting gang members. So, for all you guys out there that uh, that are still uh, in your hood hanging out, uh, let me just show you this story from from San Antonio. Uh, they arrested uh, what about twelve or thirteen dudes from a Hispanic gang in San Antonio? FG, did you see this story? Yeah, I saw that. Okay, let me see if I could um, play this clip of of what they got going on up here in San Antonio. I mean, I'm not San Antonio, San Jose. Too many sand yeah, cities. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we just <laughs> talked about San Antonio. Yeah. We got we got too many sand cities. Uh, let me just... Yeah, there's uh, North Cali right here. Let me... Uh, let's see. Here we go. San, ha- San Jose gang sweep from Fox 2. Here we go. San Jose police say a multi-unit sweep has led to a dozen arrests. KTV South Bay reporter Jesse Gary live tonight outside police headquarters with the details. And Jesse, some of those arrested are teenagers here. Mike, the youngest, is just 16 years of age. A quarter of those arrested are juveniles. Investigators say all are accused of committing the worst, most violent crimes on the streets of San Jose until they were caught this past spring. People who are committing violent felonies on the streets of San Jose, who are gang members, are taken into custody and put behind bars. Thursday, San Jose police announcing a dozen alleged gang members have been caught. The suspects range in age from 22 down to as young as 16. Three of the 12 are juveniles. All of them are charged with violent felonies involving gang enhancements and involvement, the most serious of which some of were uh, gang-related attempted homicide, armed robberies, drug trafficking, gun possession, ammunition. Police officials say their gang investigation unit, ghost assault unit, and special operations unit combined to track the dozen alleged criminals dating back to last fall. Nine are now in the Santa Clara County Main Jail and the three juveniles are in the county's juvenile detention center. They're looking for for connection, like friends, family, that perhaps is not present in their home. This is a problem everywhere. There are uh, a a large array of gang activities all across the country uh, with younger people reaching out to not only people of their same age, but reaching out to younger people. San Jose police won't say where or when the alleged crimes occurred, but they do say they involved murders, weapons and ammunition. Kids become enamored with that lifestyle and become, become members of those organizations. 
Experts say that emotional opening allows gang members to target children and teens as recruits to help expand their criminal reach. Unfortunately, this happened in your community and um, it's going to happen in another community this week somewhere else. It's 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 what's going on right there, Jesse, it's, it, or what's going on now with these kids of these ages. Police are imploring parents to keep a watchful eye over their children and their neighborhoods to lessen the influence of gangs and criminals. It's not just a police matter, it's a community matter, it's a, it's a societal matter that uh, is much bigger than the police department. There we go, man. Um, I, was, I was checking out this story and I was thinking to myself, I think these officers, I mean, this whole, um, this whole operation is slightly exaggerated. Um, they're saying attempted murders, but we know attempted murder could just mean uh, it can be vague. Uh, right, I don't right. I don't really see any uh, serious offenses. I mean, you know, it's all relative, but for them to grandstand like this and to make this into a huge thing, uh, I, I don't I don't see it. I don't see the, the main problem here, um, the way they're articulating it. It just sounds like some teenage kids just got caught hustling. Maybe they got into a couple fights. And uh, they, they they said as young as sixteen. I thought he was gonna say as young as like nine or ten. Yeah, yeah, me no. too. I was gonna say sixteen. The, the, the worst ones, you know, them the ones yeah. out there gunning shit down. Yeah, yeah. I expect but, uh, to see sixteen to seventeen year olds. No doubt, you no doubt. But at the same time, I'm like you, bro. They, it's, it's 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 highly exaggerated. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to discredit, you know, the, um, the community for say wanting these guys off the street if they were selling drugs or or you know, having little shootouts or fights or, you know, things of that nature. You know what I mean? I understand that people that live in communities won't, you know, want to live safe and sound. But th this was no big old organized ring. This was a few dudes, man, you know, that would probably, like you say, had a couple streets and, you know, had a couple, you know, pounds or, or a little bit of this or that, a few guns. Um, why they grandstand like this, I don't know. I know that there are bigger gangs in this in San Jose that's rocking and rolling. Um, but maybe they just needed something to let the community know that they, um, that they are, you know, investigating, you know, I don't know. I, I, um, the one thing I did catch is when the one guy said, man, it's happening everywhere, man, especially to this level, you know, it's happening everywhere all across the country. So, you know, you guys put out this big article, like y'all just took down, you know, like, uh, Al Capone or something, but you know, you got a few cats, man, that, 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 like you say, you know, I'm not going to take away from, you know, if they was putting in a little work, but, at the same time, man, they they wasn't doing it to where you had to grandstand like that. Nah, man, it just kind of reminds me of the whole Matt Ronald thing, man. When they got there, um, you know, they did a huge press conference with like 50 people in the room trying to say this guy was the ringleader, Matt Ronald, of this internet, this transnational gang that stretches from Los Angeles all the way to Atlanta, Georgia. Right. And involved in all kind of crimes, including murders. They actually did mention murders in the indictment. They never said Matt Ronald was connected to any, but it was kind of misleading to talk about it in the same in the same breath. And, you know, they ended up giving him a five-year deal which he'd be out in like three so you know how serious really was his role if they're saying hey he's he's facing 20 to life and he ends up just doing three right right no doubt you know and that's gonna happen with some of these dudes right here you know um especially the juveniles you know um uh, depending on you know who's charged with what you know but at the same time, you know, like I say, maybe San Jose needed something to put out there to make a scene, you know, to to give the uh let people know that they are investigating gangs, you know, which I believe they're investigating gangs in every city, every state. You know, I believe that they're putting packages together to, you know, do these sweeps more and more often. And um you know, this, this was going on, especially, you know, I ain't gonna say especially, but, you know, definitely in California. Yeah, man. And I want to let the Streets of Scholars listeners know that if you know any youngsters that is dabbling with the streets or is thinking about dabbling with gangs or things of that sort, you know, send them a link to this story. Because even even though these youngsters here were probably involved in some minor activity, they still getting pushed through the criminal justice system. And we want to try to avoid that for all our youngsters around the country. And and maybe stories like this, maybe the, the good thing about a story like this is that a kid is looking at this and he's saying to himself, Oh, man, I, I went to high school or I went to junior high school with some of these dudes, man. I do not want to end up in the Santa Clara County Jail or any county jail in your jurisdiction. And, and maybe this does work or help as a deterrent for some some kids that are 13, 14, 15 years old. So sh share this story and, and let others know that th this is uh, what's going to happen because law enforcement ain't playing in all these small towns all across America, FG. 
Hey, no doubt. You know, and uh, before we end up with on the, on this topic, um, I like what the dude. Well, I ain't gonna say I like what he said, but I I heard what he said. And what he said, well, you know, some of these kids, man, just out here, you know, some of them don't have a father at home. Some of them don't have a big brother to you know show them you know examples of you know how to be a man. So what they do is they go out in the street and they connect with dudes and they you know they learn from each other on how to be a man. You know what I mean? Especially you know like you say, coming up 13, 14 years old, you know they looking for guys, they looking for leadership, they looking for how to do what a man's supposed to do, you know, and, and in the midst of that, you know, you, 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 next thing you know, you look up at you in the gang, you know, and it's a band of brothers. So when the negativity get to going in it, you know, you rolling with it, even though that ain't even in your heart to just do all that. But you know, these are your partners. These are your buddies. These are the people who you made friends, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, man, like you say, that guidance and leadership, you know, from, from a man, you know, a father or uncle or a big brother, you know, it goes a long way, man. So, you know, if you got kids out there, man, that you're not tight with, you know, you got nephews out there, you don't talk, tap in with them, man. You know, see what's on their mind, man. Take them to lunch, man. Take them to breakfast, man, and, and just see where they head at. You know, you'll be surprised that sometimes, man, a lot of these kids, Alex, just looking for, they really just looking for guidance, bro. Hey, man, I used to speak to gang members at uh, Culver City High School. I had a job there back in the 90s, in late 90s, and I was a counselor. It was a it was an unusual type of job, but the only people I spoke to were gang members. And I would speak to them one hour a week, every week for like a year. And they would sit in the room. It was about eight, eight or nine kids. And I, I was forced to talk to them. And these kids would not want to listen. They wouldn't want to talk. They, one of the kids came into my meeting strapped, you know, I'm smelling like weed. And I'm just sitting there just trying to have conversations with them saying, look, man, I go to college. I'm at USC. I know where you guys are from. I grew up in the same type of communities. I'm just giving them just advice. Mm -hmm. but, but, it, but when you're doing it, it doesn't seem like it's working. It doesn't seem like you're even having an impact. But then let me fast forward like 10 years later. I'm at my office and I'm getting a, a package delivered to me. And the guy opened, um, he, he's delivering a package. He says, hey, man, I, I used to go to Culver City High School. You was my counselor. And he was like, man, you you really, really helped me out, man. And you, you um, gave me great advice and you had an impact on me. And I was sitting there saying to myself, I never even knew that I was reaching any of these youth because when they're 16, when they're in high school, they, they don't, they play the role. Like they don't even care. But right. This, no doubt. This dude who delivered my package one day, he actually said that, that I basically I changed his life and I didn't even know it, man. It's crazy. <laughs> no, no doubt. It definitely can happen. So, you know, that's that man. That's what's up. And I say that just to, um, to tell people, Hey, you never know what kind of impact you're going to have on, um, on someone, even though it doesn't seem or it doesn't appear that they're listening. Uh, but um, lastly, man, I wanted to tap in with the story, man, um, out of Chicago. I'm sure everybody saw the uh, the shooting of the 14 year old boy that that he did on um, the guy that was assaulting his mom. And this is a great example of a story where as, as soon as it hits the media, you don't really you're getting one narrative. And then a few days later, the narrative is changing. Mm -hmm. But but initially they they tried to say the prosecutors tried to say this was a murder. Did yeah, you, they uh, did say it was no, no, they did say it was a murder. They arrested him for murder, you know, um, and booked him for murder, gave him three million dollar bill or gave her three million dollar bill. You know, and then the video started coming out, you know, the video started servicing. And uh, from from the research I was doing on it, I heard that the videos is really what helped them get exonerated, you know what I mean? And uh, because without the video, man, it was just like what we thought we heard, you know what I mean? The lady in the store getting to it, a guy called her son to come in there and blast the dude, you know what I mean? So, you know, um, once the video surfaced, you know, it was it was more clarity on what really happened. And, uh, you know, they let her out, you know, her and her son, you know, they let they let them go saying, you know, that they didn't believe that the, they should be prosecuted. So I, I was all for that part, Alex, very much so. No, a lot of people kind of felt like that from the very beginning, even before uh, the more videos came out. But I was surprised that there were some people that was like, oh, this woman needs to go to prison. Um, she, she's a danger to her child. She's telling her son to do this, that and the other. And it just goes to show you that when a story first hits the media, 
you really have no idea what's going on. Law enforcement, media are going to exaggerate the story. They're going to swing it in one direction. And then if you just be patient and let this now, this story happened quickly. But sometimes you don't get the truth for like six months, a year. But in this one, within days, less than like a week later, less than a week later, we're getting a, a whole nother narrative. Did, did you find yourself going from one position to the next position or you had the same views from the very beginning of the story? No, I had like five different views, five different, you know, different feelings about it, you know, just to be honest with you. You know what I mean? You know, for her to be in there, I don't know what the initial argument started over. You know what I mean? Before a woman to be in there arguing over a man who seems like he's violent, you know, just to just just to be 100. I, w- I would di- direct my daughter to not even get into that argument. If he wanted to go first, if he, you know, if, if whatever the situation was, I would direct my daughter not even to be arguing with no man like that. Just to be honest with you, that was that was from the beginning. You know, I'm not taking I'm not taking, you know, making no excuses for the actions that he did. It's just, you know, it, I seen four or five ways that this could have kind of been a, a, alleviated. You know what I mean? And 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 uh, so I had so many different opinions, but you got a clip or something for me? Yeah, let me just play this real quick. This is uh, this is a story that that aired before the charges were dropped. So take a listen. And a disturbing case unfolds in court. A mother accused of ordering her son to commit murder in a West Pullman restaurant. The mother and son are now charged, both of them. Elizabeth Matthews joins us now with more on this developing story. Elizabeth? Yeah, Natalie, that mom who's accused of giving those shoot-to-kill orders is now being held on $3 million bail. Parts of that shooting were actually captured on this restaurant's surveillance video, which helped the witnesses identify the suspects to police. So this all happened Sunday night, police tell us, just after 11 o'clock, about 11.05 p.m. 35-year-old Carlisha Hood and her 14-year-old son arrived at the Maxwell Street restaurant on South Halstead at 117. Hood went in for food. Her son waited in the car. Prosecutors say that's when she began arguing with this man, 32-year-old Jeremy Brown, who was also inside ordering food at the time. Hood, Hood began texting her son, who appeared in the doorway, hands in his pockets. A fight became physical between Hood and the victim. The victim was able to punch the woman once. That's when prosecutors say the boy pulled out a gun, fired a single shot to the victim's back, followed him outside, kept firing, striking him fatally twice in the back. Once outside of the restaurant, while the co-defendant was still shooting at the victim, the defendant instructed her son, the co-defendant, to continue to shoot and kill the victim. Once the co-defendant finished shooting the victim, the defendant turned her focus towards witness one. She began pointing at witness one and instructing her son to shoot her. Prosecutors say the hood even tried to get the gun from her son, but he pushed her away. No shots were fired at that witness, who is also the victim's girlfriend. Both mother and son facing murder charges. She's also charged with contributing to the delinquency of a minor. The teen boy also facing unlawful use and possession of a firearm. Both were told did surrender themselves to police yesterday. We're also told that Hood, the woman charged in this, the mom charged in this, also had a FOID card herself and was licensed to conceal carry. Reporting live, Elizabeth Matthews, Fox 32, Chicago. Okay, so if you just got this story here, if you only got this information here, it it doesn't sound good for the mom and the son, right? No doubt. I mean, we didn't hear the woman, the woman, the news lady said, uh, shoot to kill, Um, but it really was shoot to defend, right? (laughs) the, The whole narrative was just pointing in one direction. You could tell the police and the prosecution we're, we're just looking at it in one shallow way. And it turns out that it, it wasn't true. Well, I can't say one shallow way, you know, because when he popped even the first time, you know, remember what we we, we talked about? And I told you I was going to remember what dude said, you know, and that uh, I think that was the uh, the football player thing we was uh, talking about when he say self-defense ends when 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 uh, he say murder begin when self-defense ends. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so once he went, went, went chasing down in the parking lot, that's where I thought, it, it you know, they was going to have a problem at not that first shot. Um so, 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 
uh, you wouldn't chase him down, shot him some more. Now on the flip side, you hit my mama like that though. You know what I mean? So, so I'm not, I'm not knocking what he did. I'm just saying how these people will play the game and charging, you You know? So I thought that's where they was going to try to catch him up at. You chase him down in the parking lot and shot him again. I thought that's where he was going to have, you know, the mom and the son was going to have a problem at fighting the case, not the initial, you know, you know, he blasted him in the, in the, in the restaurant. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing in that story about this woman. She has a valid carry concealed license. Uh, her gun is completely legit. Um, and there's, there's nothing in that story about Illinois law says you have a right to use deadly force, uh, against force. And here's the no story. Here, here's the story after, um, charges were dropped. Take a listen to this. Topping our news here at 6 o'clock, just days after a mother was charged with texting her 14-year-old son to shoot a man at a fast food restaurant, Cook County prosecutors have now suddenly dismissed the first-degree murder charges against her. NBC5's Charlie Wojciechowski takes a look at new video that brought today's reversal in this case. A fatal shooting at this West Pullman hot dog stand now seen two ways. New video surfacing online this weekend showing what appears to be an attack on Carlissa Hood, an attack that has only stopped when her 14-year-old son opens fire. We are freezing the video at that point. Let me just say everything that happened in this situation um, was terrible. Former mayoral candidate Jamal Green was one of the first to share the video. When this situation first uncovered, the media covered it as the mother directed her son to kill someone in which everyone around the city of Chicago was like, oh my God, why would that mother do something like this? This was the first video released by police as they were looking for two suspects in a fatal shooting here at 116th and Halstead. But Green says the second video tells a different story. Folks all over the country said that this is a case of self-defense. But the videos have created controversy about exactly what happened here and who was responsible. Today, Cook County's state's attorney cited new evidence in announcing the first-degree murder and contributing to the delinquency of a child charges against Hood would be dropped. Based upon the facts, evidence, and the law, we are unable to meet our burden of proof in the prosecution of these cases, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox said in a statement. A decision welcomed by patrons at Maxwell's. Justice has been served. It was that second video and the fact that it was shared on social media that Green says made the difference. This wouldn't have happened without social media. All in the right, West, I'm, I'm gonna stop it there, sure. and I want to say, I want to say this, FG. They they knew the camera, they knew all the camera angles when they arrested this lady. They just didn't release that first one because they didn't want public opinion to go against them. And I guess the prosecutor was looking at this video, saying, "Well, there's no way I'm gonna be able to charge her with um, with first degree murder. It's just not this this man. Unfortunately, Jeremy Brown." Um, he decided to take flight on a woman, man, and his son was there strapped, ready to defend his mama. Yeah, he fired on her. He fired on her hard, too, Alex. You know what I mean? I seen the thing on Instagram yesterday, man. You know, unfortunately, this dude lost his life, man, but they say he went in for a, a Philly cheesesteak and left with wings. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, but, though, uh, No, funny. no. Well, you know, well, look, homie, you fire on my mama like that, though, man. I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to just be honest with you, Alex. You know, uh, he was filed for that all the way around. You know, he didn't slap her. He closed fist, fired on her. You know what I mean? So, so, so even though, like I said, lost his life, it ain't funny, but I ain't going to not. You know what I mean? You know, he, uh, he, uh. You know, he damn near got what he deserved. I mean, just just one hundred. You know what I mean? And but this is what I checked out. Like I said, with so many things. You know, why is you arguing with this man and you see he's serious about some shit? You know what I mean? That's for one. So you you know your son come to the door. You know what I mean? And he got the pit. Now he fourteen. Now that's a whole other situation, homie. You know you 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 call your fourteen, not your sixteen. It's a difference. Call your fourteen-year-old son to come in there with the pistol. He probably didn't think nothing like this was gonna happen at the moment. You know, I could tell how long it took him to get the gun out of Jack. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, he he struggled to get that thing out. You know what I mean? You know. Uh, um, hey, can you can uh, you say this was his first rodeo? I can, but this the problem that I have with it. This is what I wanted to speak on it. When something happens like this, sometimes it can trigger something that make it not your last rodeo. You know what I mean? You know, I hope this the kid can get counseling, homie, based on the next issue he get into. He won't be so quick to lay somebody down because he didn't did it before. 
that's 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 one of the issues that I had with it. You know what I mean? You know, unfortunately, this dude killed a man at 14 years old, you know, and even though, you know, it was a self-defense for his mom, I get it. But it's the mental uh, um, toll that it take on you. You know, as a 14, I've seen it take mental tolls on grown men. You know what I mean? So the mental toes that it take on you as a 14 year old, the dreams you may have, the thoughts you may go through, you know, the next time you get jumped and beat up in, you know, in, in, in the neighborhood or something is you're going to go grab a pistol, man. And, you know, be like, you know, this is what I do, you know, so I'm um, hopefully he can get the right, you know, counseling, you know, in order to, you know, uh, uh, understand, man, that this was an unfortunate situation that happened and move on with his life. What I did here, though, that, um, the rapper Nicki Minaj said he decide if and when he decide to go for uh, higher education past high school financially she got it you know what I mean so you know if he can you know just take the opportunity man and keep a keep a, a level head don't let this change him I, I know it can and will in some degree but if he can keep a level head talking just to the kid part of it you know what I mean I hope this kid be all right after that. Man, that's a very important point that this boy definitely needs some some counseling. He needs uh, some treatment. And I, I hope that the mom, Carlisha Hood, is more concerned about the treatment that her son is going to need rather than trying to sue the city of Chicago or the state of Illinois for she's trying to sue for unlawful prosecution. They never prosecuted her in the first place. Right. And I, I can understand that they're going to take you into custody for a couple of days. So I'm not sure if she really has a lawsuit. I think you was telling me that um, you heard that she's filing a lawsuit uh, for, for damages. No doubt, man. And I ain't gonna lie. I was, I was disappointed. You know, just based on lady, they just let you walk on a, on a, on a, on a body, you know, and this was sometimes people just don't get. I, I don't know. You know, I, I know people think different. But what do you mean unlawful detainment? What do you mean they twisted my arm when you when they took me into custody? What do you mean? You were a murder suspect at the time. A man did lose his life in an altercation with you. You know what I mean? So, you know, and, 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 and they let you out. And sometimes people just don't see, you know. You know, because it ain't like they can't find something else and double back on your ass and, you know, hit you with a, a manslaughter. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and 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 that's what people don't get. Sometimes in these situations, Alex, you just, hey, you you, you take your, your W and you walk away. You know what I mean? You don't be seen. You don't be heard. You let it go. But you back in the press with this lawyer at the table. I'm a sue. Uh, yeah, OK. You know what I mean? But uh, I, like I say, just that's just in my opinion. People, some people can argue with me, but like I said, some people just don't get it, man. Yeah, she's uh, arguing uh, emotional distress and unlawful prosecution. Well, there, there was never a prosecution. Um, so and and, you know, if, if if she found a lawyer that wants to file a frivolous lawsuit, that's what America's allowed. I've, I've had a couple frivolous lawsuits filed against me. So, uh, you know, I, I hate these frivolous lawsuits. But, hey, that's the way that our, our system is designed, man. And uh, we're going to wrap it up right here, man. Let all the people know where they could tap in with you, man. You just posted some um, some real dope content on FG Unleashed, right? Yeah, no doubt. FG Unleashed on YouTube, man. Come over there, check me out. You know what I mean? Y'all hit that subscribe button, man. You know, hit that like button. You know, also I'm on Instagram at FGeneral1 on Instagram. Tap in. You know, um, that's what's up. Yeah, and, and if you haven't checked out the, the video that FG posted on FG Unleashed, on the Stanley Pitts uh, funeral, man, go check that out. That was pretty dope. Um, how you talked about all these cats that you you knew back in the day when you was a youngster, and to see them man. all there doing, um, you know, everybody seems to be still doing well. Um, people ain't get, people ain't dying from murder anymore. You know, they're dying from old age now. So, no, nah, no doubt, you know, and, and 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 that's a good thing. But just old age ain't what it used to be. So that's a bad thing, you know. And so yeah, man, you know, come check it out over there, man. You know, and uh. I, uh, I see this guy uh, 85 imports in the comments say he say but it's still damages there you know I don't know what kind you know um, you know I mean like you say you could file a frivolous lawsuit but if you're going to be awarded something for being you know arrested for a murder then you know release be you know I, I, I don't I don't see it I, I just don't see it well yeah there's da there's damages there but it's not damages that the state of Illinois or the city of Chicago um, created so um, yeah, there's no doubt damages. Uh, so tap in with me, Alex Alonso 101. Make sure you're checking out the YouTube channel, uh, Street TV on YouTube. And thanks for listening to another fire episode of Streets and Scholars. Yeah.